This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the MagicWordPodcast.com. Let me first of all thank all of you listeners who uh, introduced yourselves to me when I was at the last three conventions. I've attended the SAM convention in New Orleans, followed by Abbott's in Colon, Michigan, and then Magic Live. So I've seen a lot of you, and I've had a wonderful time getting a chance to chat with you and take several pictures with so many people. It was just uh, great. Uh, it makes me feel good that you guys are listening. So thank you very much and for reaching out and for those people who have also re-upped their donations by handing me some cash and saying, hey, I want to continue to support the Magic Word podcast. So thank all of you for your friendship and becoming friends of the Magic Word. And I posted and mentioned a few of their names also on the pod letter. This week at the end of Magic Live, there was some devastating news that we all learned about the horrible fire, the tragedy that happened in Lanai, uh, Maui, Hawaii. And it, uh, it, it, it caused mass devastation across the island. And I, the last I heard, there were like about 100 people who had died in that fire. And many had lost their livelihoods, their their homes. Uh, so so many uh, so much tragedy that's happened there. As some of you know, that Warren and Annabelle's is one of the places that was on the island. I say was because that is completely destroyed then as well. If you go to the magicwordpodcast.com, there you will see not only a few pictures that are taken of what's left of Warren and Annabelle's, but also there is a link to a GoFundMe account that Warren Gibson, who is the owner of Warren and Annabelle's, has posted. So if you can provide some financial assistance to help the families and the staff of those who used to work there who have lost everything and their livelihoods, it would be greatly appreciated. And while I was there at Magic Live, I had a chance to chat briefly with Carrie Pollock, who was the creator of many of the magic effects uh, there at Warren and Annabelle's and had worked in the early years along with Warren Gibson. And I was asking him uh, whether he thought they might rebuild that. And I know that's a question that might be on many of your mind. And I understand that Warren has retired from performing there on a regular basis and has kind of turned it over to some others who are performing, one of whom is Dana Daniels, who is our guest here this week, and John Chirac. Uh, but he has, uh, as I understand it, was probably not going to rebuild it since he had already more or less not walked away from it, but he still managed it, I understand. Don't know all the details, uh, and, and, and Kerry didn't know either. He just was hypothesizing that uh, probably not going to be rebuilt, but uh, there's an opportunity there for somebody perhaps to uh, to do that. But I don't know that even if it does get rebuilt, whether that Kerry would be involved with uh, uh, helping to put that back to the way that it once was in its glory day. Well, I wanted to talk with Dana Daniels this week because just uh, quite literally the day before this fire happened, we were sitting in my room when we recorded this conversation, and I was planning on posting this episode sometime in the future. However, I thought that it, it might be more timely to release this now. Most of which we what we talk about here this week has to do with the Long Beach Mystics, of which he was a member when he was growing up as a youth and then working at Disneyland and what it was like working for Disney and just a lot of really great stories and some funny things that have happened. And then towards the end, the last few minutes, he does talk about working at Warren and Annabelle's and what a great place that it 
is or was. You can hear the excitement in his voice and, and the love and compassion that he had for the place and looking forward to continuing working there for many years and to think that uh, almost in the blink of an eye within the next 24 hours that all that would be taken away and not to happen again. And he and others are looking then for other opportunities. And I, I know he does have quite a few things that are happening and so not to worry necessarily uh, uh, about uh, Dana and John Chirac and some others. They're going to continue to do something else uh, in the future, but it just won't be there Warren and Annabelle's any longer. But if you can help with your financial donation, please go to the website at themagicwordpodcast.com and there you will see a link where that you can go to their GoFundMe page to uh, help the families of those who have lost so much. Well, as I said, this is a rather timely episode, and I think you will enjoy the conversation that I have this week with my guest. Please welcome Mr. Dana Daniels here on The Magic Word. Today I'm with a guest that I'm excited to talk with because I've been wanting to chat with him for quite some time, but our paths really haven't crossed where we have had enough time really to sit and talk. But we've known each other for a long time, and uh, he is typically over in Hawaii working, and I say that's not the mainland, so he's over there working at Warren and Annabelle's. He's also someone who is a member of the Long Beach Mystics, and he also then has worked in Disneyland for a long time, say like 16 years, and just does a lot of great things. He's been, uh, you perhaps know him, working with Luigi, his bird. It's a bird. <laughs> and he's one of the funniest guys I know. Please welcome my friend, Dana Daniels. Hey there, Daniel. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm so glad that you can uh, make it. I'm glad we had a chance really to sit down and actually uh, have this I've chat. I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah. So there's so many different things I want to talk about. I've talked with several other members of the Long Beach Mystics. So I've had, I've talked on the podcast, I've had Kevin James, David Diebel, and Les Arnold, Stan Allen, Mike Caveney trying to think of some others perhaps I may have had that, you know, I've had a lot of uh, people. Yeah, we have a, a nice roster. Really do. Yeah. and Great magicians, good friends. And you lived in California when you were a child, I guess, and how you kind of Well, I still the, live in California. Yeah, but I mean, whenever you got into but the But I mystics. grew up in Long Beach. I was born okay. and raised in Long Beach, okay. so I'm a real Long Beach mystic. A be- Long Beacher. <laughs> what do they call people? Are they, long, are they Beachers, or what are they? Long Son of a Beacher? Son- there we go. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sons of. Okay, unless you're a daughter. So, when when uh, you got into the Long Beach Mystics, they were kind of already starting because you, I guess from what I've talked with other guys, you couldn't get into, they didn't have a juniors with the castle at the time. So There was no junior castle at that time. I joined when I was 11 years old. Okay. Uh, I started taking magic classes at the Stan Allen's Magic Shop. It wasn't called that. It was called the Magic Shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, or actually, B&H School of Magic, it was called. Then it was called the Magic Shop. But Stan owned it, Stan Allen. Okay. And uh, then he had magic class. Stan was older he, than you? Yeah, Stan's about 10 or 11 years older okay. than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, he was around 21, I think, when he was yeah. teaching or he mm-hmm. ran the, the shop. shop. Mm-hmm. I got interested in magic. I was in the hospital. I had two broken legs from a car accident. Holy cow. Yeah. And a magician came up and did a show. Mm-hmm. And in the hospital. In the hospital. That yeah. was the first time I ever saw a magician live in person. But you had seen him on TV, I guess? Or? I saw. I used to watch Chuck Jones All right. when I was really little on KCOP in Los Angeles, cha- Channel 13. Did he have a regular show? Yeah, or he, had a, he had a Chuck Jones the Magic Man or whatever. He would show cartoons, uh-huh, Felix right. the Cat cartoons. Uh-huh. And then in between, 
he'd do some magic tricks. He was kind of dressed like a court jester, mm-hmm. from what I remember. And, uh, you know, and then they would just show another cartoon. He'd do some magic. They go to Was Jan working with him, I guess, at the time? I don't too, remember or? Jan being in the show. It okay. was just him, and it was black and white on my, our little black and white yeah. television set. So you didn't, at that time, have Mark Wilson in his Magic Land of Alakazam. I know that was nationwide. but That you- was before me. Okay, yeah. then. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I keep forgetting you're such a young fella here. Oh, well, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay, so you had uh, Chuck and Jerry watching them. That was the only magician that you'd seen. And the, so when you got saw the guy in your hospital. Yes, I was. That was years later. Well, after Chuck Jones, I was a little bit interested. I got a magic kit, but when I found out it required practice and it wasn't real magic, uh-huh. lost interest. Really? And about how old were you? About eight, oh, that was, nine? No, 10? no, that was probably Five or six, okay. or, you know, yeah. or seven years. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Around there. Um, yeah. And then when I was 11, I was in the hospital. Yeah. Seeing mm-hmm. the magician live in person. Mm-hmm. It was actually uh, the last thing he did was, you know, he made a, did a peering cane. He made a cane up here when he oh. wa- walked off stage and he twirled it. Elegant. So I, I do a, a bit about that in my show out at Maui. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the show, I talk about that, how the magician made the cane up here and he walked off and I said, that's when the magic bug bit. And then I do another trick that uh, I show that I learned early. And anyways, when I finish my show and I say, thank you, good night, I reach up and I make the cane up here and I twirl it when I walk off the stage. No oh, callback. As a little callback. And it gets a great reaction. That's amazing how that you could be influenced by somebody like that at an early age. I have heard before psychological studies being done on children as to when they really start to develop and stay focused. When mm-hmm. you're younger, like you said, five and for six, the kids are always running one place or another. They're in this activity or that activity. But around the age of 11, that's what I've heard is mm-hmm. kind of the sweet spot, I guess, when they start getting focused. And if they start learning magic at about that time, they're probably going to stick with it. Or if they learn soccer, they're going to stick with soccer or whatever right. that sport or whatever it is that interests yeah. them. Prior to that, they're playing soccer and baseball and football and just running around the block and whatever, chasing butterflies. But along about 10 or 11, yeah. 12, seems like. And I say that because that was a, uh, for a while we had, I say, with the IBM, the International Brotherhood of Magicians, required uh, youth to be at a certain age. It was like, I think, 16 or 18 or something. Then after they read the studies, they realized that if you get them started earlier at around 11, that's uh, then they will stay interested longer and they could perhaps retain members longer. Yeah. They, uh, well, I was really lucky because I started taking those classes at the magic shop. Mm-hmm. When I went... The stand was teaching? Yeah, Stan was teaching, and then there was another guy, Brad Burt, who oh, yeah. had his own magic shop eventually. Huh. But Brad used to work there at that time behind the counter, and he yeah. taught classes. Um, when I bought, my mom took me to, after I got out of the hospital, my mom took me to the magic shop, and uh, I found out they had magic classes. So mm-hmm. we signed up for that. And then while I was taking the classes, I saw this thing about the Long Beach Mystics. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, for their meetings. They had meetings once a month over at Emerson Elementary School in the auditorium at night. And so I went to that. And my first meeting I went to, they were talking about a field trip to the Magic Castle. And I was like, what's the Magic Castle? Mm-hmm. And so they were explaining what it was and all this. And I was like, I want to. So I raised my hand. I'm not a member yet, but can I go? And they, yeah. they said, sure. And so I went, and 
I remember that was the first time I ever been to Magic Castle. I was eleven years old. Wow, it was nineteen early nineteen seventy two. Was that like a Sunday brunch? I guess they were doing yeah, at the, the time? Sunday brunch. Kind of okay, yeah, I remember. All the magicians I saw that day, I saw Bruce Servan was the first magician I saw. Interesting. In there, I remember I got his autograph. Yeah. And uh, and then I then downstairs they didn't have a palace of mystery. They had the main room was actually down where the uh, English pub is. Mm-hmm. It was very small in my head back then. My memory. You mean the Hat and Hair pub? Yeah. Down there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was all the main showroom back then. Yeah. Uh, in my memory, it was huge. But <laughs> as I go down there now, and I'm yeah. going, "Wow, where was it?" <laughs> um, but it was a guy named Ringo mm-hmm. and Nate the Great. Okay, I don't know whatever happened to but them. But you remember them all? That's amazing. Yeah, they were imp- but I just so remember the names. It's, yeah. It was imprinted in my head. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, but I was real lucky about the Mystics in Long Beach. You know, of all the cities that group would be in, right? And I had access to it, and. It just, it was just one of those things. It's just, if you, you know, a lot of kids that get interested in magic or something like that, and they might fall away from it because they don't have the support group. Right. Or the, you know, it's like every month there was this meeting. So I get to go to, and I had f- developed new friends, and we were competitive. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, uh, well, shows every month. So I wanted to be on the show every right. month. And yeah, it was just. Well, you put your finger, I think, on a good word there of supporting, because it seems like from what that I've talked with the other guys, everyone was supportive of each other, trying to help their acts along, yes. uh, whatever they were doing. And uh, everyone would try to bring something, I guess, that was a little bit different or unique. And then uh, the rest of you, I guess, would kind of say, okay, well, what if you did this or that, you know, and yeah. built on that. Well, you got inspired by, you know, yeah. people. And then a lot of the older members, you know, the members... Like it, less. It was like from 7 to 21. Yeah. But even when they aged out, they still came around mm-hmm. and all that. So, uh, and they would perform once in a while. And they were, you know, you just look up to them. You know, it's like. But were you invited? I mean, when you were taking lessons from Stan there at the Magic Shop, is that how you found out about the, the Mystic yeah. Stan, basically? Yeah, I think I saw a flyer or something for okay. it, or mm-hmm. I think they had a show. And your parents would drop you off or come over to uh-huh. them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was at a monthly meeting, like a regular magic club? Oh, it was the last what? Friday of the month, and okay. it was at, back then, at El- Emerson Elementary School, which was mm-hmm. just a few miles from my house. But that was really kind of a point in time, because it seems like there was, I mean, there wasn't a group behind you and a group behind that. It was kind of like everybody moved together, and after you were done, you were done. I mean, I don't recall that there were others that I've heard. I mean, it didn't last like 20 years or something. I mean... Well, it started in 1955. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Okay, well, I stand corrected. Yeah, and I joined in 72. Okay. So, but, and it's, from my understand, through the years, it's had its uh, ups and downs mm-hmm. where it, membership's low or, it gets, you know, people move on and, and then someone will come along and revive it. And that was me at one point. Yeah. When I was 18, I was managing the magic shop. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, I was still in my senior year of high school, and the Mystics were kind of like almost non-existent mm-hmm. around that time. Okay. And then, uh, so I called a bunch of guys, and we said, let's get this thing going again. What do you think was that magic secret sauce that made that graduation class, if you will, so successful? When you say it's been around for 20 years, and then all of a sudden, I mean, the ones who were remembered are... A handful of guys and gals who yeah. were in that. I mean, what was it that was the dynamic that made that group work and be so successful? 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to get to the point for other clubs who might think we've been trying to get our club going and, you know, what do these guys have that we need to try to encourage young people to Well, I think successful? we're lucky with talent from some, uh, you know, individuals. Mm-hmm. And I think other people would see the shows and they just want to be it attracted other talent. You know, it's like Kevin James. I see, right. Moved from Michigan, from Michigan to yeah. Long Beach. Yeah. Because he had just heard to about join that. the Mystics. Yes, yeah, what he told me. Because he saw they saw them perform in, uh, I believe, at Abbott's. Yeah. yeah. Was Mark Kalen? I know Mark was part of that group. but Mark was... and I joined around the same time. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were, I mean, I have some old, I have a lot of the stuff from the history of the Mystics. I keep, mm. as you know, um, some of that stuff got kind of split up. I think Victor Sivas has a lot of stuff, and I have some stuff and some old books and all that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, our ro- old rosters and all that, so you can see who was a member back in. Right those days i have all the programs from our it's amazing show which was our annual show we did every year yeah and those are fun to look back on especially uh before my time with the mystics but it was 1968 or 69 after there was an it's amazing it was at millican high school Mm -hmm. which is where i went to high school in fact a lot of mystics went there (laughs) um but steve martin was on the show okay before he was was he a comedy club performer he was a magician or? okay and a comedian i think during that time he was a writer for sunny and share hmm. but he was trying to uh develop his own sh- he wanted to become his you know his own sh- show his own yeah uh he was not a mystic he, though, was he? he was from what i understand les arnold told me he did come to some meetings okay but he never joined okay but they had him on as a guest act we always had guest acts on our annual show mm-hmm. and from what I heard, he was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah, he would think that you got to grow, but I'm sure he was at that point probably still pretty good as he was uh, at the beginning over there. And he worked, I believe, also. We talked about Disneyland. Didn't yeah. he work at a magic shop down in Disneyland also? I didn't work or? in the magic shop. Okay. I started out... On the street? Well, I'll give you the full story. Actually, okay. I have 19 years experience at Disneyland. Wow. 16 as a magician. Okay. Uh, I was in high school... And a bunch of friends and that were going to go to Disneyland to audition to be characters, you know, like Goofy, yeah, right. Mickey Mouse, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, you want to go? And I was like, and I did. I said, I don't want to work at Disneyland. I don't want to cut my hair. Oh. Because my hair was long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to cut your hair over your ears. Right, right. And uh, so, but they, they Even said, being hey, we're a just going to go for fun. Even to be in a costume, you had to have short hair? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I know. You couldn't figure that out. No. Uh, yeah, the public never sees you. Um, so I went to the audition for fun, but I, and I got the job. I as got, as a character? They offered me a job, yeah. And uh part-time job. Yeah. So I thought, well, this might be kind of fun. So the summer, it was a summer job. Yeah, summer, whatever. It was at a casual position, you okay. know, so you come in on weekends and okay. stuff like that. Mm. So I took it. I thought it'd be fun. So I took the job and I was, my first gig, I think I was working at grad night mm-hmm. as Tigger, <laughs> taking pictures with, you know, high people. School, yeah, and high uh, student, yeah. then I did some parades and then I was doing Goofy and Captain Hook, all the tall characters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did that. And then I went over, uh, you know, I, I go in the park all the time because now I get in for free. And then I saw Wally Bogue perform in the Golden Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. 
And because they didn't have magicians at the park, only in the magic shop. Now, Wally Bogue was the original guy that kind of did the thing I know Bergeron did with the teeth in the corn. Wally Bogue was opening day at Disneyland. Walt Disney hired him for the Golden Horseshoe Review. He was the comedian. Yeah. He really put that show together, mm-hmm. actually, Wally did. And, uh, and so, you know, he did it for 27 years. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I saw him perform. It was the first time I ever saw the show. I was 18. And I was like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> I want to do that job. Sure. And I actually found out where his dressing room was on one of my breaks. And I was goofy that day. So I, I'm wearing, you know, I'm a sweaty T-shirt. I got shorts on. Mm-hmm. And I'm wearing giant goofy shoes which right. look like clown shoes almost they're real big shoes i knock on his dressing room door and i introduce myself i say hey i'm a magician i loved your show if you ever need another understudy mm-hmm. think of me or you know whatever like that right. and he kind of chuckled i was a kid <laughs> yeah and he says hey well you know go to the they have auditions once a year at disneyland for just general entertainment you mm-hmm. should go to that and uh you know you never know Right. So I mean, he could have hired me right there if he wanted to, because Wally had that kind of power. But he's yeah. not going to hire this skinny kid, you know. Yeah. Um, so I did, I would go to those auditions, but they and always did well. But they didn't have magicians at the park as performers, and uh, I always would mention the horseshoe, and they go, "Well, you're too young, you know, for that part, you know." And you could uh, be like in your thirties or something, or what were they well, thinking? I mean, too young. I mean. I mean, Wally was at that time older. probably in his fifties or sixties, yeah. I think. So that's kind of the image they had of an older guy, right? Yeah. And this, the other two parts in the show were they were older people too. Okay, mm-hmm. Fulton Burley, Betty Taylor, and uh, anyways. Plus, I was I wasn't ready for that show at that time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so so the next year I go back again, anyway, and then Wally Bogue in nineteen eighty two retires. Mm-hmm. And then they hired one of his understudies, uh, Dick Hardwick, who is extremely funny. uh, And that's who they should have hired. That was he was perfect. Uh, He did the show. He took over for Wally Bogue. And uh, now Dick is about ten or ten, eleven years older than me. And did he do a lot of the same gags and jokes and tricks? Well, we always did some of the in the very beginning when you because you enter as a traveling salesman yeah interrupt the show you shoot the gun off and there's all of these jokes that wally did and you do those to a certain point and then you do your own act ah okay yeah um and so uh and then you come back as pecos bill later mm-hmm. in the show and you the bit where you spit the teeth, spit the teeth out, right you get hit so uh well so they hired him and then around that same time Disneyland was reopening Fantasyland. They, oh yeah, they totally redid Fantasyland, and this is 1983 now. And they thought, you know, for the opening, maybe we should get some jugglers and some magicians. So, then they called. Then they said, we're going to have auditions. So I went and audition, and I was the only magician they hired. Mm-hmm. The rest were jugglers, and, uh, and that's really where I picked up juggling from. Mm-hmm. 
uh, was from hanging out with these guys all day. Do you remember what your set was as far as what do you how how you impress them? I mean, do you cups and balls or for the audition for the audition? Oh, or? I remember I shot a gun up in the. I brought a blank gun with me, and they're wondering how did I get that on property. <laughs> <laughs> but I went bang like that, and I go, "Oh, now I have your attention." Yeah, you know, da da da. And quite frankly, I don't remember what I did. Okay. Um, I was just wondering as far probably as probably a 20th century silks or something, anything I could do because you're dealing, you're doing shows for, for families yes. and kids. So I probably would have got kids up there and, uh-huh. you know, uh, cut and store rope. I mean, I don't really recall. Yeah. But yeah, got me the job. And uh, so then I work in the, in the park in Fantasyland and we were called the Royal Court Jesters, mm-hmm. but we weren't dressed like court jesters. We were like, dressed us up as renaissance street performers and then uh i uh i thought you know what i'm gonna give that horseshoe thing one more step i wanted to be in the horseshoe so i tracked down who the uh show director was Mm -hmm. and i said you know i'm in the park five days a week and i said uh as a street performer as a street performer doing comedy and magic right and i said if uh, dick hardwick i said if he gets sick in the middle of the day or I mean, if you need someone in a pinch, mm-hmm. might be a good idea to think of me for that part. And he thought, that's a great idea. Hmm. That way they don't have to close the show. Right. Because basically the com- the comedian's the star of the show. Yeah. And uh, so they auditioned me and I said, well, and it was going to be in the horseshoe and it was just going to be for that guy, the director. Right. And so I thought, God, I don't want to perform for one person but i so i went to wardrobe i knew people in wardrobe yeah i said can you dress me look like the traveling salesman in the horseshoe they did and then i went over to the character department around the time that people were getting off work and you know in the break area uh-huh. and i knew all these people and i said you want to come to the horseshoe and watch me do this so i i went marching in there after the, the shows were done for the day and I had like 30 people behind me. And an entourage. <laughs> yeah. And I told them all, yuck it up. <laughs> and I, I had one of them, I said, you know, pretend like you're a little kid. So I'm going to bring a kid up on stage because yep. that's standard to bring a kid up on stage in that show. And so that's what I did. And I got the job as uh, his understudy. Wow. That's smart. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I worked. How old were you at worked. About 20 something at that I time? was 22. Okay. At that point. Had you gone to college? And study theater? I did a little bit of college, but I didn't graduate. And theater, or what were you going to do? Yeah, I took theater, Uh uh, and I took salesmanship classes or something, uh, you know, different things like that. Marketing, yeah, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I thought maybe if a magic thing didn't work out, I wanted to be actually a photographer. Well, okay. And I was kind of either going either way, but I started just really making a living doing magic. So I thought, okay, this is where we're going to go. And so you started working then at the Horseshoe on a regular basis. Yeah, well, still doing the the stuff in Disneyland as a street performer, and then whenever they needed me, and then I would go into the horseshoe, and then sometimes they schedule me regularly just on his days off. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had nighttime shows for one summer, and I did that five days a week, five nights a week, I should say, uh, to go doing the horseshoe at night. They just yeah. did that. They just tried it. It was something they usually didn't do. And did that seem to work out? Well, yeah, for that summer, yeah, it worked out well. But then they, um, and then they. The show closed in 86. They took it out. Everybody couldn't believe it. Well, they did. When did uh, Disney World open? Disney World opened 71. Okay, so they had a horseshoe down there. Right. And when it opened, Wally Bogue went there to open that show. And 
uh, so he stayed in, he stayed there for I think two or three years. And a guy named Bert Henry, okay, who was one of his understudies at Disneyland, took okay, over Disneyland. the show in Disneyland. Okay. And then and then Bev was mixed in there. Right. I'm not sure how that was. I think he might have been at Disneyland too, or. I'm guessing he was because he lived in L.A. for a long time, and then he he went, went down to, to Orlando. To Orlando. Uh-huh. So and then Wally was there for a couple of years. Then he wanted to come back, and so oh. so that's when Bev took so over. So he came back, and Bert went to Disney World, oh. and the sh- it was covered. The show was covered by Bert and Bev. Okay, I'm not sure which how it was split up, but I remember going there early '80s, and I saw both of them do the show. Mm-hmm. I went one day saw. Bev, and the next day I saw Bert. That would have been about the time I took my family down there also. It would have been approximately 84, I think, yeah. whenever I remember seeing Bev. And yeah. we were friends, and uh, he gave us a seat right there on the stage, you know, one of those. Oh, the bu- booth, yeah. The booth, yeah. Yeah. And he used my kids, because I had one son at the time who was three, and the other one was six. He- yeah, one of our booths at Disneyland was called Walt's Booth, because that's where Walt Disney would sit every time he came in to see the show. Oh, Okay. You know, before my time. So when they closed the Golden Horseshoe at Disneyland, they kept the one open at Disney World? No, they closed both? exactly the same day. Huh, both of them. Yeah, they had people come in and they usually, I think it was director of entertainment at both parks, and yeah. they made the announcement at the same time so no one could call anybody and, oh. and say, guess what's happening? Yeah. Or did this happen to and you? And warn them, right. And yeah. there's a four-hour difference, uh, obviously. So yeah, they, so I'm not sure how that how they coordinated worked out. That. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, that's interesting. Why do you think that they ended up closing uh, the Golden Horseshoe? Um, what was their I've heard many different th- theories on that, uh, but there was a guy high up in the company that never liked it, Okay. and he wanted to see some other shows in there. So okay. that's what I've heard. I don't know how he could possibly not like it or possibly think a show that's been running in there right. for 27 years. It's been successful. No, more than that, 27. But when it got canceled, 86, so that's... So know. he just wanted to shake things up, it sounds like, and kind of yeah. exert his authority or whatever. Sometimes that's a situation when people get a right. certain position over there. Uh, and so were there other things that kind of changed along the time? I mean, I know from time to time, for an example, you know, that obviously the, uh, the haunted house had closed, uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And, no, uh, it's still there. Is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride still there? Oh, yeah. Oh, haunted funny. Match is still there. Okay, I haven't been there in a while. Where, who's sending you the newsletter? What <laughs> 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 like, the... Uh, yeah, but I still had a job. I mean, I was just sad to see the show. I was still doing strolling magic. I was doing strolling magic as a riverboat gambler uh, in Frontierland. I kept right. on creating stuff to keep me around. You know, it was, but they, we still, the jugglers, you know, stayed there for a long time. And, uh, but I was like saying, hey, you should put me out there as a riverboat gambler doing mm-hmm. strolling magic and work on the Mark Twain. They thought that was a great idea. And then I, had some other shows we did. Randy Pryor and I did a show out in New Orleans as a couple of pirates. Yeah. And uh, that show was fun. It was it was juggling and magic in it. And now it's the Pirates of the Caribbean. That's still going on, but they've changed some of the ride. Is that right? Uh, they Through the years, they always make little changes. Okay. They, uh, political correctness yeah. got onto it. You know, that rather than auctioning off women, they're auctioning off chickens. Okay. And uh, instead of chasing the women, right? I remember that to to rape them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the women are they put food in their arms so the They're the chasing. pirates chasing them to get the food. food. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And when I was a little kid, I never 
picked up on anything like that was bad. I don't think little kids do. It's the parents. No, that I don't think anybody thought of it, you know, because no. it was cartoonish, you know. But, exactly. You know, whatever. But they changed it. It's still a great ride. Mm-hmm. And then they put Johnny Depp in there when the pirate movie came out. Right, right. That's why I thought that they were probably keeping with that. Okay, but they've added, like, Harry Potter, and they've added some other things. Harry Potter's universal. Just, okay, I'm getting those conflated here. Okay. You're going <laughs> to... Let me educate you. <laughs> Please do, because you're a Disney guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I so, worked for Universal, too. Did you? Yeah, okay. mostly as a consultant. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever work with Disney uh, as an Imagineer? No. Okay. No. As no. I understand that there are, are a few people, I think maybe Jim Steinmeier might be, or some people who kind of Who's have Tony ideas. Baxter. Oh, you're talking the Magic World. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The magic uh, world. Yeah, Jim, I think, has worked on a lot of stuff over I believe there. Udo Lupo has made yeah. some consulting. I've done some consulting. Yeah. But I would, I'm not, imagine, not an Imagineer, but those mm-hmm. Imagineers are more the ones that create the rides. Oh, they are. Stuff okay. Like that. And then they'll hire consultants. And I have consulted on shows. Okay. Yeah, like Merlin, mm-hmm. uh, Sword in the Stone show. I, I remember that show. Put magic into that show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then they would bring me back. Because right. after, after a couple of years, it kind of disappears because they hire new guys and they don't train them and the magic kind of goes away. You know? Right. So I'll just come back and teach the same thing over again, and they put it back in. So talk, going back to Steve Martin then again, but he did work at a magic shop there in... On, on, yeah, he worked in the Merlin Magic Shop in Fantasyland. Okay. Um, and plus, he also was a huge Wally Bogue fan. Okay. And and I got to meet Steve at uh, uh, Milt Larson's uh, club down in Sa- uh, Santa oh, Barbara. Magic Castle in Santa Barbara. Yeah, right. I worked that, and I remember... I was get I showed up and opening night for me, um, and Milt said, "Oh yeah, Steve Martin's coming in tonight." You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, "Really?" I mean, Steve Martin's like a hero to me, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, so you've seen him do his Flydini, I guess. Uh, yeah, at the castle. It's just so funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it at the castle. I saw it on Johnny Carson. Okay, show. sure. Mm-hmm. But I heard he tested it out at the castle. That's what I heard. Yeah. Uh, so. Steve was there in the front row and uh, with his wife. And uh, so after the show, he stayed and he chatted with me. Mm-hmm. And he wrote me a joke. Wow. He said, I got a good line for you. What is it? And, uh, well, it's for my magazine trick. It's only funny if you're in context. But, it's, uh, <laughs> but the line is, what's even more shocking, it's in Bon Appetit magazine. That's the line. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so you hear me say that. That's where it came That's from. That's D. Martin. Okay. Yeah. Um, or whatever magazine I'm holding, you know. Right. But, um, the, but uh, I, I told him, I said, uh, I said, I, I told him about my experience in the Golden Horseshoe because he was a huge Wally, Wally Bogue, Bogue fan. Right. And he always wanted to do that show. So I said, yeah, I got to do the, the Pecos Bill part. Mm-hmm. And he just lit up and he goes, really? Hey. And he starts like, did you do this line? Did you do that line? Did you?" <laughs> I go, yeah, I did that one. Didn't do that one. Yeah. And, uh, and then we talked about Wally uh-huh. and he was like, he turned into a little kid. Wow. And uh, it was, yeah, it was a nice little connection. Kind of brought him back to when he was a child. Yeah. He says, I always park. wanted to do that show. And I uh-huh. said, well, I think things turned out well for you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I did it. Yeah. Look at me. <laughs> just think how those roles could have been reversed. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> wow, that that is funny. Yeah. So you stuck with them for a long time. Now during that time, I mean, one of uh, your acts, which I really love, is the is it the Nothing Act? 
that uh, <laughs> what is what is that called? <laughs> With the guy in the piano. The, the, the nothing act. Yeah. I like that better. <laughs> I got nothing. Just come out <laughs> the audience. How you doing? Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, there we go. Have a drink. <laughs> uh, you want to see a trick? Uh, uh, here, here's nah, some cards. I got nothing. <laughs> so, uh, no, no charge. There you it's go. Called, <laughs> it's called the no show. No show. Yes. There we go. So close. I had the no right. Yeah. And that has a tie for Disneyland also. I, when, uh, so the, when the gold, really golden horseshoe closed down, I was still doing magic, like I said, in fantasy land, frontier land. Yeah. And then finally, like in 1990, they, they got rid of our program. So, yeah. and I was about done doing it anyways. So, uh, cause I used to do the scheduling for all the, all the acts mm-hmm. and, uh, I was scheduling myself less and less and less and mm-hmm. they start to notice, you know, and I just said, I, I'm done. <laughs> and they kind of got rid of the whole program. And then, uh, uh, I don't know, four years later, they call me and, uh, they hired me as a consultant to come up with some ideas for entertainment in the park because yeah. they liked the stuff I came up with when I was working there. And uh, so I came up with all these great ideas, I thought. They didn't buy any of them, though. I mean, they were kind of, huh? huh? You know, I had this one idea for a, a tour guide that had a big beehive hairdo and <laughs> yeah. a megaphone, and she would take you on little tours, whatever land she's in. Yeah. You know, and so I gave them the script I wrote was a tour through Tomorrowland, and she would say, uh, Welcome to Tomorrowland. You know, this is where you get on get on ride or get in line today, ride it tomorrow. <laughs> you know, and, then, and then over here is Space Mountain, and over here was an empty building, and this is space available. <laughs> you know, and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, here's Star Tours. You go on there, you see Buddy Epson's house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, cement pond. But at the end of the meeting, the pitch meeting, you know, uh, they asked, oh, they said, oh, you know what? We forgot to mention to you. We, the, in the Golden Horseshoe at that point in time, was, this was 1995, uh, they said, uh, the, uh, they had, a group in there called Billy Hill and the Hillbillies. They didn't have like a can-can show anymore. So Billy Hill and the Hillbillies were in there uh, performing and, but every, five days a week, but the horseshoe was closed Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Do you have any idea for a show we could put in there? And I said, yeah, me. Mm-hmm. I said, that'd work great. Cause I just, my wife's pregnant with our first child. I want to stay home more. Right. I could do that and then just do local gigs and uh how many they, days how many times a day would you do that show five five times okay. a day tuesday and wednesday yeah and tuesdays tuesdays and wednesdays five shows a day and so uh they said well that wouldn't work it's just it's one act you know who's we can't put just put one person in there and i said and then i don't know this idea just flew into my head and i said okay well how about this a big variety show and none of the acts show up uh-huh. and the guy who mops the floors who's seen the show a million times is got to do all the acts. Yeah. And they were like, that's great. And I said, you do realize it's still just me doing my act, which you hated a moment ago. And they said, yeah, but now it's a story. Ah, yeah. And Disneyland loves stories. Yeah. And so that's how that started. They said, when can you start? I mean, literally, this meeting was in 
April, and I I opened the show in May. Wow. You know, it That's was pretty like, quick turnaround. I, I actually left the meeting and went directly over to the horseshoe, and I looked at their backdrops uh-huh. to see what I could do. Then I had to figure out how to split my act up, you know, with the juggler and this and that. So, yeah, I opened up a month later, and I did it for eight years. And the gentleman who plays the piano for you, was he always with they, you? Yeah, Richard Allen, who's... Uh, knows Irma very well at the mm-hmm. Magic Castle, yeah. and uh, and he's a brilliant piano player, and he's very improvised. He can, he knows any kind of any song you can name, he can play it. Okay, and uh, so that's when I first was introduced with him. They brought him in, mm. and we clicked. And Richard's very funny. Yeah, and so I, I go, oh great, someone I could not only a piano player, but now I can go back and forth. With yeah, can rib with, with him, him, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was great. And then he only stayed there for about three years, and then I had to get another guy. So I found another guy, Hal Ratliff, and he, Hal was great too. And then Richard would come in every once in a while and fill in. So, Are you still doing that show from Well, time see, to that, time? yeah. At the, so Disneyland, we called it the, it was called the Dana Daniels Variety Show. Mm-hmm. And then it got changed after a while. Disneyland was uncomfortable with my name being on it, I think. Because they were because not. of negotiations. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it was changed to the variety show, and uh, I just came in one day. My name wasn't on the sign on the sign They didn't even tell you about it. They just took it off. Yeah, it was gone. Yeah, wow. I still have the sign that my name was on. It's am, in my house. Am name. I still on the show today? Yeah, I was, I was doing the show. Um, so there was that, and so yeah, you know, we did, when I when we finished that show up, uh, it was actually Stan Allen. Stan said, you know what? That was a great show. You should do that in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, um, that'd be a lot of work. I got, I had tons of Disney gags in there. It was sort of geared towards oh. Disney. So I you had to take a, some things out and change well, things. I had a yeah. lot of Disney gags. Yeah. I was, yeah. Uh, and you had your timing down and everything for those gags. Right. Obviously. Yeah. Sure. And so uh, what happened? Oh, I was, uh, one day I was working, oh, I got a call from Ron Wilson, who was working the Magic Castle, Mm -hmm. and uh, Ed Alonzo was working, he always used to do the first two weeks of December, he would work, and he'd do the whole show, all three spots. At the castle, all three? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, during the, and I think there was one week where Ed had something else going on, he couldn't be there for Monday and Tuesday, so... And it was like a last minute thing. And so Ron calls me up and says, can you come down, cover for Ed and do all three spots? And I was like, really? Wow, you could have a comedy magician come in and do all three spots? I mean, I could do it. Yeah. But I was like, that's unusual. I felt honored. Yeah, special. So I came down and I did it and it killed. And Ron was like, I'm going to give you a whole week. When do you want to do it? And so I, we came up with a week and then... Uh, that was like far into the summer when it was booked. And then I've, I've, I don't know if I can get the timing down this right. But anyways, Ron wasn't booking the castle anymore at this point. Yeah. And Dale Salwak was. And, um, uh, so Dale, I was getting closer to the show and I thought, you know what? If I do this show that I did at Disneyland, if I want to change it, I need some. I need a timeline. I need a, something to give me motivation to sure, change it. Sure. So I called up Dale and I said, uh, hey, I'm supposed to be at the castle doing all three spots. I was thinking about doing that show I used to do at Disneyland. And fortunately, Dale's seen it. He goes, that'd be great. I mm-hmm. love that show. Mm-hmm. 
So we booked it. And then now I had a deadline that I had to get this had to, right. changed. Right. And so the first thing was change the name of it. And then I just came up with the name No Show. The No Show. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. they didn't show up. No, the act show up. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, and then I changed one of the characters, rewrote the jokes, mm -hmm. and, uh, and called up Richard. And uh, this is so true. People don't believe this. <laughs> we went in there with no rehearsal. We hadn't done the show, I think, two or three years. Yeah. I just sent him the script, and I said, play these songs. Wow. And, we, and literally, we set it up, kind of talked through it. But we never did it until we walked on stage, and it was like we—it was—it went perfect. It was magic. <laughs> I, I was so nervous; I was sweating through my shirt because uh -huh. I wasn't sure if this was going to work or not. <laughs> and it went great. Yeah. yeah. And then you did it then every night. Uh, yeah, we just did it every night. We you know something we go oh this works that didn't work right you know that. But the thing is, when something doesn't work. If I mess up, Richard will actually call it out on stage in front of the audience. And then I have to go back. Or I'll, if he messes up, you know, and that's part of the fun of the show. I was going to say, have you worked in those gags so they actually happen from time oh, to yeah. time? Oh, yeah. Some now? stuff that, yes. Oh, yeah. We do that a lot. If something goes wrong, I said, we're doing that every show. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, uh, we're yeah. keeping that in. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's like the bit where I come running out and I say, you know, those, I, boy, it's hard to be on the spot to remember <laughs> what the lines are. But I go, stop the show, stop the show. The, you know, and uh, I would say, uh, but I would say the wrong thing. Yeah. And then I'd go, oh, oh, you know, like that. And I would walk back <laughs> and come back on and say it correctly. Yeah. And it got such a huge laugh. So I go, let's do that every show. Yeah, keep that in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so. Now, Luigi is, was with you uh, during the show, or those shows too, right? Right, yeah. So, so Luigi the, the Bird. I started doing Luigi in 1983. Okay, and uh, tell us me again what type of bird that is. He's a spectacle Amazon parrot. And I bought him as a pet mm -hmm. and with no intention of doing magic with him. So it had nothing to do with when you were a Long Beach mystic. It was far... No, I was a Long Beach... Well, still in 83? No, no, I was still, I was still mystic. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, I bought him. I was like 21. Okay. 20, 21 years old? Yeah. And so the other guys uh, said, hey, this is cool. That's great. Well, I, I, like I said, he was a pet. Of course, you know, when you, you're a magician, you got a parrot at home, you want to say, hey, well, I wonder if he'll pick a card. <laughs> and then not only would he pick it, he but he would chew it up. And so I came up with this gag. Whenever someone came over to the house, I said, watch. <laughs> I can read his mind. Uh -huh. It wasn't, a, I, he could read his mind. I was, the bit was, I could read the bird's mind. So I said, I can pick a card. And I go, now, I'm going to show it to the bird. And while I'm showing it to the bird, the bird chews up half the card. Yeah. And then I go, and I'm going to put it back in the deck, acting like I'm clueless. Right. <laughs> but it, but the, the way I'm acting is like I'm clueless, but I am in on it, but they don't get it, you know. <laughs> um, and I shuffle it up there, and I think of your card, and I would bring up the first one, which is, a perfectly normal card. And I go, nope, nothing. And I bring up the next card, put my forehead. Yeah. Nope, not getting anything. Then the third card is the one that's half chewed. <laughs> and I go, wait a minute. Something's coming Do in. you feel it too? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it would crack up. And then I had to go host uh, one of the mystic meetings. It was my turn to host that month. Mm -hmm. And my mom said, you should do that thing where you, the bird chews the card. That's hilarious. And I yeah. said, ah, funny in the living room, Mom, but on stage? Yeah. I don't think so. But I got desperate, so I did it. And after I did it, and it played so well. And after I did it, 
Mike Caveney came up to me and said, that's the funniest thing you've ever done. And she, he, go, he just said, actually, his first words were, more bird. More bird. <laughs> yeah. He goes, you've been looking for a hook. You just found it. Uh-huh. So that's all I had to hear because, you know, Mike and Stan and all right. them, they, they, I looked up to them. Getting their affirmation of saying, yeah, go oh, with that. yeah, that's uh-huh. all I needed for my motivation. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, now I had to find tricks that would work and not work in that act, you know. And so do you keep using uh, Luigi uh, as your bird going throughout the show? I mean, or well, a, now I step away and do other or, stuff. Yeah. I used to do everything with him. But then I remember Peter Pitt told me one time I was working the castle. He goes, too much bird. <laughs> <laughs> he just said, <laughs> he goes, don't be afraid mm-hmm. to walk away from the, this, leave him there, you know, yeah. do something else. Don't yeah. feel like you have to do everything with the bird. Step away, do some other stuff and come back. Yeah. You know, and I was like, huh. You know, so it took me a while to do that. Because you probably used him as a crutch for a while. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was afraid to step away from him. I thought, right. okay, he's step away act. from this gold mine? No yeah. way. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Now it's just me. I've got to go back. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, well, now you were telling me also this is the third one because they only live like they about live 25 10, oh. years. Uh, but Luigi, the first one, lived 29. And during his lifetime, I had another one, a backup bird. Mm-hmm. But he never was in the show. And then when Luigi passed away, he passed away backstage at the Magic Castle. Wow. Um, What'd you do? I mean, did you have to go home again? I understand (laughs) that, of course. (laughs) You bring him back a bit. He was, uh, we were doing the no show, and the the last show on Saturday night, I could tell he was sick. It was like, all of a sudden, he's sitting on that perch, and he's hunkered, and and I've raised birds, doves, and that since I was 12. Yeah. So it's like... I'm going, uh uh-oh. And I know he's old. Yeah. And I'm going, so, and I was spending the night at the Caveney's house, you know, um, back then, you know, uh, while I was in town. And so I brought him home and I thought, you know, get some water, maybe he'll snap out of it. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning, no, he was even worse. And uh, so I... I just knew he was dying. I could just see him. There's nothing mm-hmm. he could do. You right. Know, it's not, he's 29 years old. And so I brought him to the castle because I had to work the brunches. And uh, so I'm trying to figure So I know I'm not going to use him, so I'm trying to figure out a set to do. Well, fortunately, there was a guy in the parlor mm-hmm. that had a, he was doing an act with a dove mm-hmm. and our shows were opposite. So I went over to him. I said, can I borrow your dove? And I'll just do psychic dove yeah you know and which i've never done before mm-hmm. but i did it and it went great yeah you know i was like that kind of surprised me but if you look at the act really luigi sits there and really doesn't do anything <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a bird so you know um and that's what that's the whole gag of the show really yeah. um so and the, so backstage in between shows luigi passed away in my hands Wow. Yeah. And then I was devastated. They canceled sure. the last show. And then I had to come back and work that night. But I had my other parrot. With you? At home. Oh, okay. So I called my wife. I said, Luigi just passed away. Can you bring Cosmo? He's my other parrot. Mm-hmm. And so she drove up and brought up Cosmo. Now, I've rehearsed Cosmo, mm-hmm. but only at home. Never in front of an audience or right. lighting or moving curtains. Oh. And Freaked uh, out? This, Cosmo's freaked yes. out? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so the first show Sunday night 
I, I get you know, Luigi's the last act in my, in the no show. Yeah. You know, it's the third act of our thing. So Richard goes into introducing us and all that. And I turn around, I put Luigi on the, I call him, I call the birds Luigi on stage. I put him on the perch backstage and I'm about to come out with him. I go to look over there. He's gone. Oh, gone. Yeah. And I stick my head out to the curtain and I told Richard, I go, Hey, you know what? I bet you the audience would really love to hear your rendition of 12th Street Rag. <laughs> and he knows. Yeah. He just went, okay. <laughs> he starts playing 12th Street Rag. Yeah. While he's playing, I'm looking for the bird. And I'm moving around. I can't find him. And then I thought, maybe he flew to the other side of the stage. So I walk across the stage and I said, hi, Richard. <laughs> Keep it going. <laughs> I look over there. Can't find him. I walk back across the stage. I said, you better play all 12 streets. <laughs> I go to the other side. We find him, and he's up on the rafters up mm -hmm. above. So we had to get a tall ladder. I crawl up there. I grab him, and, and I bring him back down. I put him on the perch. Yeah. Then I give Richard a thumbs up. He introduces me. I walk out with him on the perch. I... Uh, my blood was like the moment my <laughs> so I didn't feel it but when I grabbed him he bit into my thumb hmm. so hard that I was bleeding very heavily okay and now I'm talking with the bird next to me I'm on stage and I'm kind of doing hand gestures and blood is flying everywhere <laughs> and Richard's on the piano playing going Dana Dana <laughs> and and I go look at my thumb and I go, oh, how about that? The little guy got me, yeah. you know? And, and, and so the stage manager hands me a towel. I wrap my hand in it. Towel's turning red, you know? So, but I got through it. But it was, and afterwards, tons of magicians came up to me. I love the new bit with the bird and the blood. Yeah. They thought it was a bit. And I said, yeah, I'm not going to keep it in. It's too no. messy. I didn't tell them. <laughs> That's funny. So Cosmo lasted in the show another uh, six years. Yeah. By that time, he was old. Uh -huh. And then I had another bird. That another was backup bird. Backup bird. Because I, uh, you know, when Luigi passed and that, I had got another one. And so. Was Luigi the name of your first bird? Or yeah, that you... was his actual name. Okay. Luigi. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, I wonder about that. Um, in, and moving on to Hawaii, uh, you've been working at Warren and Annabelle's there for mm -hmm. how many years? Uh, Eight, since, ten. since 2005. Okay. Gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah. I was, and it was just always a week or two a year mm -hmm. fill in for Warren. I was going to say, because you and John Chirac are the two that kind of fill in for, uh, for Warren. Well, back then it was Kerry Pollock and I. Right. That well, Kerry's one to open up the club. I mean, he, he designed the whole thing, right? Yeah. He helped Warren, um, yeah, put it together. Mm -hmm. Actually, Yeah. Did a lot of work on it. He's got his own club out in Myrtle Beach. No, I he's out. Now. Yeah. Oh, not Myrtle Beach. Is it not is Myrtle? It, uh, it's the other big place. Yes, I know. It's out there on the East Coast. Just a minute. You're it's right. It's in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Why am I not thinking of it? I filled in for him a few times out there. Okay. Yeah. But I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I'm blanking out. Are you, um, do, do you do uh, many comedy clubs or are comedy clubs even still a thing? In town... Yeah, I do. Okay. I still do the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa. Okay. Uh, I used to do the Ice House quite a bit, but I haven't. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I Warren Annabelle's keeps me so busy. It's kind of slowed down. Are you say about what four months or so? I'm there. Or? No, uh, twenty four weeks a year. Okay, so yeah. yeah, so half the year. Yeah. Uh, 
in a row, or are you kind of coming back no, and three forth? three weeks on, three weeks off okay. on average. Sometimes you come we back mix home it with up. Family, then I guess. Or uh, my wife. Oh yeah. Well, when the kids, my kids, oh, we're empty nesters now. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, when they were younger, they always came with us if it was during the summer when they're yeah. out of school. Mm-hmm. And then my wife comes with me at least two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, well, Maui's a great place. And as I understand it, that's like the number one on TripAdvisor and Yelp that everyone recommends that oh, show. Oh, Warren Annabelle's? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Our, one of our most biggest comments we get when people walk out, they say, well, I never thought going to Maui, I would go to a magic show. Yeah. And I never thought it would have been the most fun I had in the whole trip. Yeah. Yeah. We get that a lot, at least for the evening activities, you know. Yeah. So. Meeting. What do they do in the, during the day? They got afternoon things? Well, during the day, people go out... And do, you know, uh, you know, jet skiing or horseback riding. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, acti- sure. As far as activities. I yeah. thought you meant like another show you did. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, just for us. I mean, but as far as evening activities, you're a little more limited on the island. And we've had other shows come, competitors, but they didn't for, none of them lasted more than a year. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. I'm not surprised that you had imitators, but uh, I didn't know. Oh, well, we had one them. across the street from us. But, really? Yeah. And that lasted a year or less? Oh, less than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a tough business. Yeah, and I mean Warren almost closed in within his first year, and then it just turned around. What was it you think that made that? Turn well, out? I think Warren loosened up. I wasn't there for it, but this is the story he oh, tells. Because he had he was doing all of Carrie's lines. So I think is what I'd heard something about he starting was, out. Yeah. Starting out, he was just doing Carrie's show. Well, he show. wasn't at first, but he was like he was because he was very straight magic close up. Yes. So his magic and everything was great, but when he started throwing in comedy and, and being then, himself and being himself and yeah. his southern charm, you know, he's mm-hmm. from South Carolina and he starts and he started doing this whole thing about the Andy Griffith show. Mm-hmm. And and then like he couldn't he goes, oh, I'm really bad at remembering names <laughs> and then he goes, You know, you seem like a goober to me. So you're a goober, you know. And they get name someone else. Right. You know, you know, Barney and this and that. And right. And if you're familiar with this show, it's hilarious. And even if you're not, it's still pretty funny. Right. Well, that's and, a good way of doing it. If you can't remember someone's name, it's just, hey, Sparky, or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and everybody's... But every, every, every so show. All these people in the audience are the cast of Mayberry, you know, because he's <laughs> trying to remember their names. Yeah. But uh, so anyways, it was... So that's really where it turned around. Right. And he started getting more... Because more people are going, oh, you got to see this. Word of mouth is our best advertisement there, mm-hmm. more than Annabelle's, mm-hmm. you know, more than... And I'm sure year after year, you have people who go back uh, to, to Maui and they always probably come back to... They Warren's. do. We get people, they go, this is our 10th time here. Mm-hmm. You know, and we even have regulars that live on the island that come in once a week. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there, there are not many success stories like that, that are... Oh, you know, and for me, it was just... Right place, the right time, I guess. Yeah, I don't serendipitous. Know. I was there on a vacation. Were you working a cruise ship or something? And no, I was on or? vacation in Maui, and I heard that Warren. I knew Warren, not really well, but I remember I used to work Wizards in yeah. uh, Hollywood, For and Fred. Warren did close-up magic, yeah. mm-hmm. and I was like, I heard Warren uh, opened a club, you know. So Jane and I went to go. My wife Jane, yeah. we went to see the show, and then. Um, Afterwards, he sat me down, and he, he right there, he said, hey, let me know if you're interested in, you know, filling in for me. How much time can you do? da 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 da, da like that. Yeah. And so I said, well, I could do about 40 minutes, and then at 60 if I talk slower. 
you know. <laughs> so, but I that's really where I developed the time for my act. I mean, I started bringing more material and working on it. Because when you fill for, actually, I do, when you fill in for him, you have to do two hours. Wow. He does, because it's a two hour show. Is but it close have, up in front and then there's something in the. Well, now the way it's formatted, we have two magicians and we each do an hour. But when Warren did the show, he did the whole two hours. Yeah. And when I first started filling in for him, I had to do the whole two hours. But there was no way. He said, don't worry about it. Just do as long as you can. So I would go in and do probably about an hour 20. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, but eventually you learn the room and you learn the, you know, and you don't want it to be seem like you're stretching it out. You of course know? not. But I, I got to the point where I, I think my longest show was two hours, 10 minutes. Wow. And I couldn't believe it because, and it just flew by, and the audience was was with me. It wasn't like, oh, God, you know, not looking at their watches, you know, but it was just got to that point like that. Now, I haven't done that since then, you know, but it was because we changed the format. But. I haven't yet been there, but do they serve dinner? Is it a dinner theater? Yes, or they just- have... Uh, they have a parlor room. Yeah. Well, you first enter through what is sort of like a little escape room. Okay. You know, you go in. It's a very small room with books and all that, and there's a voice, and you guys got to figure out how to get out. Okay. And, uh, and if you don't figure it out, it will show you. So, <laughs> so you're not going to be stuck because you got to get in there and seated in the parlor. And the parlor is he's got a big grand piano there, and that they have like a ghost that plays the piano, like uh, like Irma, but this one's called Annabelle. That's mm-hmm. what Annabelle's the ghost. Okay. Uh, right now we don't have Annabelle because uh, we have a shortage of uh, piano players okay. on the island. You know, yeah. So, so you're looking for one? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. That's up to Warren. Yeah. But so far we don't have one. Uh, frankly, I think they should just have it play. Well, yeah. You know, just be playing like a something. player piano or something. Yeah, yeah, without request, just have it play. Yeah, sure. And uh, I don't know why we're not doing that, but. Mm-hmm. Whatever, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, but you, so you get there and you you can have food, uh, drinks, desserts. They have great desserts there. If you want to come in for show only, you just come in later. Then it's just about oh, half you, hour before showtime. Oh, so you can just have a show only. Okay. Yeah, if, like like our first show starts around six thirty, but if you're gonna eat there, they recommend getting there around five. And you get you know eating. Are the ticket prices the same for adults and children, or do they have children? We're twenty one and over. Oh, it is? Okay, because yeah. of alcohol, I guess, you're serving. There's a no, bar. it's more, he just likes a mature audience. That makes sense. I yeah, understand that. But uh, we had, uh, when I first started there, there were family shows, but it was done by, uh, they had a magician that lived on the island to them, and they were like during the day, mm-hmm. once a week or something like that. I know there are some other larger illusion shows that have been playing oh, for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know when I said about the magic shows not lasting, uh, Jody Barron was there for, I think, 13, 14 years. Yeah. So... Uh, mistaken about that i'm talking about ones that were near us but, it, but jody was in kind of he did a great show mm-hmm. it was uh it kind of showed the history of magic in hawaii and all mm-hmm. that and well there was someone else i thought that had uh who was hawaiian himself who has a well, show over on oahu oahu yeah what's his name um once again i'm drawing a yep, blank i can't think either but it seems like there was somebody who had a long-running show and he was polynesian i got nothing Okay, we're back to that. (laughs) (laughs) You do catchphrase, (laughs) and I like it. Um, Well, yeah, there was a guy who did an illusion show over there. 
for yeah. years and years. Because I was talking to Curtis Cam, and Curtis was one. Not Curtis. Me. I know that, but Curtis was telling me about this guy. Yeah. Uh, and I can't think of his name then now either, because I think that Curtis had worked with him or helped him or. Yeah. He's retired or now, something. Yes, correct. We're talking but about the same guy. He was there for a long time. That's what I heard. But the Japanese market was because he was Japanese mm-hmm. or part Japanese, Hawaiian. I'm not sure, mm. but he was really a big hit with because he could speak Japanese. Too. Yeah. So. Uh, because uh, there's a tremendous amount of Japanese tourists there. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, I hope you've got nothing because I'm going to wrap this up by closing with what my last question always is, oh. of course, <laughs> that is called the magic word. So okay. what is it that's important to you? What's your uh, what's your philosophy of life? What's your, what do you live by? What's oh, your... balance. I would say balance. You know, you got to, especially if you have, you're married. Yeah. And if you got kids, you got to balance out the, professional life with the personal life figure out what's important yeah you know it's just like so yeah when i like i mentioned earlier you know when we started having kids it was like okay i'll go back to disneyland i was doing cruise ships you know it's gone and all that but i wanted to be around when the kids were small sure and all that but you know but you don't have that luxury of a choice all the time sometimes you have to do what you have to do and you have to leave you know Mm -hmm. but i've but balance it out the best you can and that i'm doing that now because now i'm 24 weeks a year and and uh, and that plus i'm doing other things and so i bring my wife with me as much as i can we're empty nesters now and mm-hmm. it's just so i don't want to be away from my sure. wife half the oh, year. well i would agree yeah. i understand that so it's just balance and and then i also have a phrase i always use and i always tell people to steal it okay and do it whenever anybody ever asks me you know how people go up to you and they go how you doing i always say sensational but I'll get better. <laughs> and it just, uh, and I got that from a guy named Fulton Burley, who I used to work with in the Golden Horseshoe. Yeah, he was the yeah. singer. Fulton always said, sensational, whenever you ask him how he's doing. <laughs> and I said, can I say that? And then I added, oh, but I'll get better, because I always like taglines. Yeah. And I've been doing that for 40 years. That's a good one. Yeah, and and in, you use it in a grocery store. You know, you're checking out, and the checker goes, how you doing, sir? You know, like that. I go, sensational. And they always brings a smile to their face. And I said, you can use it too. You know, like that. So, <laughs> Well, that's great. That's that's a great magic word and a great phrase to live by. So how you so, doing, Scott? <laughs> fantastic. No, you're sensational. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot already. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> It's just my, I always say fantastic. That's something that people always, when yeah. they say, how are you doing? Same thing like at the grocery store. Website. Right. It I'm keep, doing fantastic. Guard a it does. Bit. It's not like, I'm okay. Just go, or, oh, good. You yeah. know, like that. No, say. But if I put the emphasis in there, fantastic. Right. And I go, you even know, if like, you don't feel fantastic, yeah. or even if you don't feel sensational, say, you know what? You'll, you will feel sensational once you see the reaction. You know? you know, you're exactly right. And I tell you, it's also good to put a smile on your face and to feel sensational, feel fantastic before you go in to do a show. If you're yeah. going to be down, I don't care if you're doing strolling magic or a big stage show or whatever. I mean, it's just like what you've heard Thurston standing behind the curtain and saying, I love you, I love you. And you're looking at the audience, you know, about oh, yeah. cow through the curtain. The same thing when I used to work at uh, restaurants on a regular basis, as I would be carrying my stuff in, I would put a smile on my face and my smile would get so broad that my teeth were showing as I walked in the front door. It's like, I'm just glad 
glad to be here and people yeah. are going to have fun tonight. You know, I just, I, I love yeah. everybody who's going to be coming through these doors. Yeah, it's putting a, a forced smile on your face can actually change your whole mood. It can. You know, yeah, yeah, it does. People have said that before about on telephones. When you talk, you that smile will come across if you're smiling as oh, you're absolutely. talking. absolutely. Yeah. When mm-hmm. I was, hey, I know we're trying to wrap up, but I mean, when I was a character and I was in, you know, I had a goofy head on me, mm-hmm. I would... Um, I'd be in there smiling, yeah. although they can't see it, or doing expressions when I'm doing bits, <laughs> like like they can see me do these funny faces. Takes, yeah. But it reads, even mm-hmm. through a mask, somehow through my body movements mm-hmm. or something. You know, it's it's amazing. It was something I kind of caught on to. I was like, it seems to read anyways. I don't know what yeah. it is. Sensational. Sensational. (laughs) So with the Magic Word Podcast, that's my friend and yours, Dana Daniels. This is Scotty out. Perfect. All right, let's tape it. Yeah, now we're ready. (laughs) I want to thank my guest, Dana Daniels, for carving some time out of his schedule to sit down with me and chat about uh, his background and kind of what he's been doing. And I also want to wish him good luck in the future with whatever endeavors uh, and opportunities present themselves for him. And one little addendum I need to put in this episode, and that is the name of the club that uh, we could not come up with a little bit earlier when we were trying to think of where Kerry Pollock's club is located. That is called the Comedy Magic Cabaret, located in Hilton Head, South Carolina. <laughs> Sorry about that, Carrie. But if any of you get a chance to be anywhere near the area, please go and check it out. You'll have a great time there. And I want to thank each of you for in advance for all of the help that I know that you're going to be helping Warren and Annabelle's with through their GoFundMe account, because I know I have some of the best listeners in the world for any podcast. And I also, along that line, I want to uh, thank all of you for being with me for these last 11 years. We are now going into our 12th year. I believe it was around August the 11th or 12th of uh, 2012, whenever we first started with the podcast. And here we are just finishing up our 11th year, starting into our 12th year. So I want to thank all of you again for helping, encouraging me and keeping me going uh, for all these years and for coming back and listening from week to week. So I look forward to doing it for at least another 11 years if I can. And I hope you come along with me for the ride each week as well. Well, please do go to the website and help Warren and Annabelle's because uh, there are many who are in such desperate need. I will also mention, by the way, I understand that Al the Only and Lori had lost their home. They, too, had a home there in Lanai, and it has been burned to the ground. So they are also uh, in in need. If uh, you want to reach out and uh, say something or, or help uh, Al and Lori in any way that you can as well. I know that's uh, tough for them and all of the residents uh, there on the island. Well, next week we're going to have another great guest, one of whom was going to be for this week <laughs> that I've had to postpone for a little bit. And I look forward to bringing this wonderful guest to you. And if you'd like to know who it is, make sure that you subscribe to our pod letter. If you go to the magicwordpodcast.com, uh, not only will you find a link where you can go to that GoFundMe page, but also you can subscribe to the pod letter so this way you know from week to week who it is that uh, we're going to be talking with and some suggestions from the archives in the past. So until next week, stay well, get booked, and remember to be sensational. <laughs> this is Scotty out. <laughs>